The following sermon is by Stephen Tillis, pastor of Emanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Please visit us at 2100 Noble Road in Raleigh or on the web at ebcraleigh.com. And now, here's Pastor Steve. Amen, church. Let's take our Bibles this morning and turn to the first book of the Bible. And that is Genesis chapter number 1. If you're visiting with us today, it is really the first book in the Bible. And if you don't have a Bible, you can use one in the pew back in front of you. Genesis chapter number 1. Brothers and sisters, we have uh, been in a series now for a little while uh, working through the catechism. And so we began on Easter Sunday by asking, what is our only hope in life and death? And we said that we do not belong to ourselves, but we belong to God and to His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And then the next week we said, well, if that is true, then what is God? And we said that God is both the Creator and the Sustainer of all things and of everyone. And then last week we said, well, if we're not our own, but we belong to God and He is the Creator and the Sustainer of all things, how many persons are there in the one true and living God? And we said that in the one and true living God there are three persons the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, and they are equal in nature and distinct in role. And this week we come to this fourth question. We begin by asking this this week, how and why did God create us? How and why did God create us? So let me read for you in Genesis chapter number 1, verse number 26. The Bible says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image, in the image of God he created him. Male and female, he created them, God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living creature that moves on the earth. Then God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the surface of the earth and every tree which has fruit yielding seed. It shall be for food for you. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the sky and to everything that moves on the earth which has life, I have given every green plant for food and it was so. God saw all that he had made and behold, it was very good. And there was an evening and there was a morning and the sixth day. Would you bow with us for a word of prayer? Our good Father, we do come to you now in these few moments of time. And I pray that you would help every member of this congregation who is believing in Jesus Christ to abide richly in His presence. We welcome you into this place through our singing, through our giving, through our prayers, through our worship. And now we pray, Lord, that our spirit and our life would abide with you. We pray for the boldness not only to live, but to proclaim the word of the living God. And we pray for the illumination, Lord, from the Spirit of God that you would reveal to us what your Scripture says, not only so that we understand it in technical form, but that we understand it in application into our own personal lives. 
We put ourselves into your hands this morning and we pray for the deliverance from all evil. We pray that you would bind the powers of darkness, Satan himself. We pray that you would cast him out of this room, that every unbelieving person would hear fresh and new the word of the gospel and that every believing person would be reminded of the truth of Scripture today of our great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. We come to you expectantly today. I pray that our minds and our hearts and our souls would believe and long and look for you to answer today to save people and to encourage believers. For it is in the name of the Lord Jesus we do pray. Amen. The question today in the catechism is this, how and why did God create us? And the answer, if you followed along with your family this week in the uh, catechism, is this, that God created us male and female in His own image to know Him, to love Him, to live with Him, and to glorify Him. And it is right that we who were created by God should live to His glory. Now that is a wonderful answer to the question, how and why did God create us? But this week as I was working through this text, I was backing up and thinking, now why in the world is it important for us to even ask a question in our society, how how and why did God create us? I would say because not everybody in the world sees humanity and and, and our being human as we see it. They think that we are made or that we uh, evolve or that somehow there are other purposes behind being human beings. In fact, I'm reminded of Peter Singer who is, uh, has a terrible philosophy of life who would purport that the only value that you have in life is when you can contribute to society. And so Peter Singer would say that babies truly in the womb and even outside of the womb before they can contribute to society, they really don't have any value in this life. And furthermore, he would say on the other end of life that uh, once you've reached the point where maybe there's Alzheimer's or uh, maybe that you, you can't contribute again and you've just gotten too old to contribute to society, then you don't have any value anymore. The, there's really only a mechanism or a ma- machinery to the value of human life. Brothers and sisters, I would say that is a wrong way to look at humanity. Amen? I would say that from, from, from the cradle until the grave, all of humanity has value. And we have to answer that question today. Why is it that as believers we would say that? But I want to submit to you that sometimes even false ideas creep into our own churches. For I read this week where a pastor had said to another pastor, said, well, I made some home visits of the elderly this week. Those were junk visits. Yeah. He said there were junk visits because they, they're not able to volunteer anymore in vacation Bible school. They're not able to, uh, to, to, to give as much or they're not able to really build the church. And I would submit to you that that is wrong. Every human being has value because they are created in the image of God. Amen. That is what we believe. 
Not what you can contribute. Not what society can say. Not how beautiful you are on the outside or what your talents are or your skill level or your intellect or how much money you have. None of that contributes to the very core value of being a human being. We as believers through Scripture in the Christian faith have the true and only answer to this issue of humanity and why we have intrinsic value. And the Bible says that we must answer this question, how and why did God create us? So let's look at it today from the Scripture. First of all, let's answer the question, how did God create us? How did God create us? Well, first, God created us distinct from the rest of His creation. Now, that's not to say that we are not created beings. We share in creation. We are a part of what God created in this world. And yet, there is something over and against all of the rest of creation that makes humanity distinct from creation. Notice back in the text today, the distinction between the personal nature of verse number 26, let us make him in our image and the more general let the earth of verse number 24 or let the water of verse number 20 or even let there be light of verse number 14 you see the general nature of the rest of general creation but when it comes to the making of humanity God says in a personal nature let us that is let the triune God make us in his image Notice that humanity is made not only after their own kind, but also in the likeness of the very image of God. You see the distinction from the rest of creation. Look at verse number 11, verse number 12, look at verse number 21. And again in verse number 24 and 25, and you will find this repeating phrase, all of creation is made after their kind. After their kind. But in verse number 26, when he turns to humanity, he makes them not only after their own kind, but after his own likeness. So all the rest of creation, they reproduce and they are made after their own kind. But when he turns in verse number 26 to humanity, the very zenith of his creation, to you and to me, it's not just that we're made after our, our own kind, for surely we are, but we bear not only the image of humanity, we bear the image of the Almighty God within us. And that makes us distinct from the rest of creation. Notice that humanity, God gives the responsibility to rule over the creation. Do you see that there? This command to rule over and to subdue, it means to reign, to, to have governance over, and it is only given to human beings. God never says to a tiger, now I want you to rule ethically over the rest of creation. God never says to the fishes, no matter how many Nemos there are, now I want you to be in control of the rest of all creation. God turns to the very crowning point of His creation and He says to human beings, you are to rule and to reign over all of the rest of the world in my stead. Brothers and sisters, when we leave here today, I want you to understand that you are vice regents of the King of glory over all creation and nothing else in God's kingdom has that power but us and it was given to us. Notice in verse number 27, when God gives the account of creating humans, He highlights the equality of essence or nature of the image of God between men and women, between male and female. He created them in His image. In His image, He created them male and female. 
Certainly in all of the other forms of creation, there are a distinction of male and female, but it's only with humanity that God highlights and points out this equality of the sexes concerning the image of God. Now you might have come here this morning and you say, my goodness, this sounds like a theology book rather than a sermon. How could this possibly relate to my life? I want to say to you, this is the bedrock of the way that you live your life every day and all of society is confronting you with things that are counter to what the Bible says about humanity. And so maybe when you go to school tomorrow, my dear brothers and sisters who are still in school or maybe you're in college or wherever it is, I want you to understand that you are to be respectful and you are to be kind and you are to listen to your teachers and you are to learn. But I tell you on the authority of God's word, which is the highest authority in all of the world, you are not an animal. And I say to all the rest of us in here, we are not a higher form of an animal. We are distinct creatures, uh, distinct from creation, the highest form. We bear the image of the holy God of heaven and we are to behave that way, amen? Maybe for two different generations in here, I would say for today's people, Maroon 5 is wrong when they sing the song that we are like animals. You are not like animals. You are like the creation of Almighty God. Maybe if you're a child of the 80s, you would think of Duran Duran, hungry like the wolves. But I tell you, they pump that music into the lives of everyone that's sitting in here. And both of those songs, you'll ride out of here today probably thinking about it in the back of your mind. And it beats over and over and over. Our society tells us that we are only a higher form of an animal and you are not. You have value. Because you're created in the image of God. And you were created to worship Him and to love Him and to walk with Him. And it matters. Hey, brothers and sisters, maybe you're not in school, but maybe you're, uh, maybe you're uh, watching politics and the things that are going around the world and, and the precarious situation in which our world is today and even our own country. I want you to be careful with the things that you say. I, I've told you before on a Wednesday night that somebody told me one time or I, I heard where they said, all oh, those ISIS soldiers, all they are is animals and they deserve total destruction. I would say to you that ISIS soldiers deserve the just judgment of a holy God, but done with dignity because intrinsically even the worst of the people in the world are created in the image of God. And if you deny that, you deny the gospel of Jesus to save the souls of the worst of humanity. We are not animals. We are the kings and the queens of God's creation. Created, yes, a part of creation, but distinct from creation. How did God create us? Number two, God made us in His own image. For those of you that were reading this week, I like the, uh, the commentary where John Piper said, why do people make images? People make images 
to image something, to put something forth. And he says, if you make a statue of Napoleon, you want people to think not so much about the statue, but to think about the character of Napoleon. And you make the statue in such a way that shows something specific about Napoleon's character. And I would say that that's what it means in the image of God. And we could get into the details of, is the image of God in our morality or in our intellect, in our ability to reason, in our ability to have dominion over all of the world. But what, no matter how how you flesh all of that out, what we must come to say is that we are created to reflect the glory and the radiance of a beautiful and wonderful God. Amen? God created us in His own image. And that truth is carried out all through the rest of the Scripture. For instance, Genesis chapter number 5, verse 1 and 2. This is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day when God created man, He made him in the likeness of God. He created them male and female, and He blessed them and named them in the day when they were created. What about Genesis chapter number 9 and verse number 6? Whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed, for in the image of God he made man. Do you know what that verse screams to us? I read where somebody had said that when Adam and Eve fell, they lost the image of God, and therefore that allows for all kinds of things. I would say to you, when Adam and Eve fell, the image of God was marred and hurt and distorted, but it was not lost brothers and sisters for this text tells us that even after the fall it is wrong to murder it is wrong to take another life why because they are still even in their fallen condition created in the very image of a holy and a righteous God what about James chapter number three and verse number nine it says of our tongue with it we bless our Lord and Father and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. If you can take your tongue and sing blessings to the God of heaven and curse and speak wrongly behind the backs of brothers and sisters with your tongue, you are lost. Maybe I should say that's lost behavior. We are to bless God and we are to bless those who are made in the image of His likeness. What about this? In the New Testament, the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the ultimate one created in the image of God. Look at this, Colossians 1 and verse number 15. Speaking of Jesus, He is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn of all creation. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse number 4. In whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they may not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. What about Hebrews in chapter number 1 and verse number 3? And He is the radiance of His glory and the exact representation of His nature and He upholds all things by the word of His power. When He had made purification for our sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Where we fell, Jesus succeeded and He is the one that we are looking to to be restored into the image of God. <laughs> As a side note, I would tell you this. If you want to know how humanity should live, don't look to other human beings. Look to Jesus. Number three. 
How are we made? God made us male and female. Do you see that in the Scripture from today? Verse number 27, God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him. Male and female, He created them. Now, brothers and sisters, I ask you today to put on just a moment for your listening ears and listen as we carefully talk about what we believe the Scriptures teach and how we stand as a church together. Let it be understood clearly from this pulpit today that this church believes in the equality of the image of God in both men and women. It is from this great text that we understand clearly that God's image is equal in both of us. Men are not a higher form of being. We are not created more in the image of God than our lady friends. When it comes to our identity and who we are as human beings, God created us equal in the image of God. And that is important. My wife and I were watching a, a, a show, a little documentary about the, man, maybe forget the name of that guy up there in Sacramento. Was it the Night Stalker or something like that? Back in the late 70s, this guy was uh, uh, killing, doing all this kind of stuff. And we're watching this program together and they never caught the dude. But here there are these, uh, these uh, police officers, these lady police officers that are telling the truth that in the late 1970s and the early 1980s that a man could rape a woman and be put on probation. Now just think about that. I submit to you that that's evil. Why? Because men and women are created in the image of God. And there is no higher value upon a man than there is upon a woman. We are daughters and sons of the same living God. And the same intrinsic value belongs to both. That might have been a good place to say amen. But I'm telling you it's the truth whether you want to believe that or not. We are equal. Our sisters who are in the workforce... We ought to be not laughing and snickering and, and saying things behind closed doors, but we ought to be fighting and living and speaking outwardly for equal pay, for equal work. We ought to speak for the dignity and the righteousness of a lady in the workforce. That's right. That's right. And gentlemen, even in the back of your mind when you're wishing that I would move on because you don't like what I'm saying... You're wrong, and you need to confess that and get right with God. This scripture teaches that when it comes to the very nature of the image of God, being created in God's image, that we are equal, men and women. Men, how dare you treat your wife like a knuckle-dragging Neanderthal, as if somehow she is there to serve you. What we should be doing is serving them as well, right? Right. All right. <laughs> so, if that didn't give me in enough hot water, let me move to this. This church also affirms the distinction of roles for men and women as clearly taught before the fall of Adam and Eve in Genesis 2 and verse number 18. The fall, the sinfulness of our own human hearts has distorted in tragic and horrific ways God's design for the home. 
But redemption is not the erasing of gender distinctions. It is the restoration of God's original design. There is a design to the home. Men, you should lead and love and serve your family. But the Bible says that the husband is the head of the home. And ladies, we ought to be loving and serving and living together, submissive to a husband that wants to serve you like Christ loved you and gave himself for you. And children ought to be obedient to their parents. I would submit to you that is a pre-fall understanding of Scripture. And it is the way that God designed the Bible to be. Husband and wife and children working together in the family unit. And it is only because of our sin that that has been broken apart. But I would say that in redemption, in restoration, Christ restores us to that. By His mercy, by His kindness, by His grace. The Bible speaks of two and only two genders, male and female. You see that clearly here. So when we answer, how did God create us as believers? We are bound by Scripture to say that He created men and women in His image, equal in nature, distinct in role. And my brothers and sisters, is that not exactly what we affirmed last week in the Trinity? That we serve one God, equal in essence, equal in nature, co-equal in eternality, and yet distinct as Father, Son, and Spirit with differing roles in the work of redemption. As believing members of this local church, we simultaneously hold to this truth of Scripture and nature. And we love our neighbors as ourselves. We have compassion and kindness and love toward every person. I believe that we can hold the truth of Scripture even when it cuts across the flow of our society and still love everyone around us. I submit to you, I say to you as a pastor, as a shepherd, give me just a couple, a few minutes we won't be here long today. And I want to I speak to my congregation. I want to speak to the believing members of this church. What Christ wants from Emmanuel Baptist Church when it comes to these issues is to say, this is the truth of the Bible. Therefore, as a believer, I have no other choice than to believe that and live that. And yet, I will hold that in one hand and I will love and care for and have compassion on every human being I come into contact with. I will not speak bad about them behind closed doors. I will not make jokes. I will not laugh at I, 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 will not, I will not shy away from them. I will sit with them. I will love them. I will help them. I will be all that Christ is to people while holding to the truth of the Word of God. Can that happen? Yes. You can hold to truth and love humanity. Will everybody like it? No. Will people get upset at you? Yes. What are you to do when they get upset and they rail and they say things? You are to be like the Lord Jesus Christ. 
You are to turn the other cheek. And when they bless you, you are to pray for them. And when they curse you and despitefully use you, you are to pray for them and love for them and not look down on them, but help them and treat them as equal in nature. Because they too are created in the image of the living and the loving God. Now you hear your shepherd clearly this morning. If you walk out of here and I ever, I ever catch earshot of one of our members saying something derogatory and mean, I will take you aside and speak truth into your life. We're not going to be those people. We are going to show the world that we can hold to biblical truth and do so with the kindness and the grace of Jesus. We will not move from truth, but we will love you even unto death. As a believing member of this congregation, if you can't live like that, you need to get your heart right before Jesus. How were we created? We were created distinct from the animal world. We were created in the image of God. And we were created male and female. Now let me turn quickly just for a few minutes. Why? That is how. How did God create us? And now we want to look at for just a minute here, why? Why did God create us? I would say, first of all, that God created us to glorify Himself. Now, lest you think for a moment that God is some sort of galactic, narcissistic person. No, He is the highest form of being in all the world. And so it would be idolatry for God to bring glory to anything but Himself. And likewise, it would be idolatry for you to give glory to anything or anyone other than the very God of glory. So look back down at the text, I would say this. It brings God glory when His people multiply both physically and spiritually. You see that there? Look at verse 28. God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. God's design was and continues to be that His people be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth with God worshipers. This exact phrase, be fruitful and multiply, is found in Genesis 8, 17, Genesis 9, verse 1 and 7, and Genesis 35 and verse number 11. Whether through physical birth or on a greater extent through the spiritual birth into the kingdom of God by way of Jesus, let us be parents who are bringing children into the world and into the kingdom of God. Listen to this statement. Every believer has a parenting responsibility in the kingdom of God. When we involve ourselves in the effort, we bring glory to God by displaying His image to the world. Let me take a side note here for just a minute. Because I, this is always near and dear to my heart. As a church, as a family, many of you know that uh, uh, Connie and I went almost uh, 11 years without being able to have children. We have borne that cross and walked in those dark corners of life. And so I want every member of this congregation, whether you're a husband and wife with 15 kids, whether you're grandparents, or whether you're nine years old, or whether you're a, 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 an adult and you've never been married, here's what I want you to understand. 
You have value in the kingdom of God and you are not something lesser until you have children or until you have grandchildren. If anybody ever treats you like that, just remind them that Jesus Christ never had an earthly marriage and he never had earthly children. And I'm pretty sure that Jesus contributed to the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen? Right. You can be single and have something valuable to say within the life of the church and the kingdom of the glory of God. Now, I know some of you, that rubs you the wrong way. Get over it. Okay? Because I just dropped the Jesus card on you, and that wins. <laughs> However, to all the rest of my brothers and sisters in here, yeah, you just got happy. He dropped a Jesus card on them. Can I say to you, don't snub your nose nor be mean at those who are actively trying to pursue or have children or baby dedications. It's a part of the plan of God, right? To reproduce and multiply and fill the earth with God worships. And both of those can operate within the kingdom of God. And I would say to you, think too, not only on the physical multiplication, but on the spiritual multiplication can I ask you this? Are you a parent of anybody within the kingdom of God? Did you ever have an opportunity to lead some unbeliever to faith in Christ and in some small sense be a spiritual parent to them? Maybe an encouragement and an application would be for you. Oh, my kids are all grown up. I've got grandchildren. I've got great-grandchildren. Let me ask you this. What would be greater, to go into the kingdom of heaven one day and say, I have children, I have grandchildren, I have great-grandchildren. God, look at the bountiful supply of people that you provided for in my life. Or to go into heaven and say, Lord, I did the best I could. This is what you gave us. This is what you blessed us with. But I did the best I could and by your grace, I was able to lead a few people to Jesus. I'm not necessarily saying it's an either or. Right? can be a both and. But I would say to you, when you get to heaven, it's far more important that you're faithful to the gospel to share with unbelievers and committed to raise the children of your own family and of this church to the glory of His good kingdom. Amen? All right. All right, so if I'm not in enough hot water, let me keep on going. Secondly, it brings God glory when His people rule over creation as He would. The words here in verse number 28, to subdue and to rule over, carry the concept of reigning and dominion. God has called us to be His regents here on earth, and we are to rule over the creation as He would. This responsibility calls for us to think carefully and thoughtfully about everything. In this world, let me give you. Let me give you two quick examples, and we'll draw this thing to a close with some application. Years ago, I was at a small little Bible college in North Georgia. I'm driving down the road, and I got a buddy, and we stopped by Checkers. And if you've never had a Checkers burger and fry, you are missing, friend. He had a Checkers burger, and he threw the wrapper out along the highway. And I said, "What, what, what are you doing?" And he said, "Oh, this world's all going to burn up one day anyway." And guess what? You're an idiot. If you're in here under the age of 15, don't say that to anybody, okay? Pastor probably lost it a little bit. That's, that's wrong. See? God has called us as His believers. If there's anybody in the world that ought to be involved in creation care and care about 
the natural world, it ought to be believers because God put upon us the responsibility to care for all creation. Did you know that? Think about it this way. God has given you the responsibility to care for something that you neither provide for nor take care of. Anybody in here ever provide all of the meals for all of the birds in the world? Anybody in here feed all the tigers? God feeds and takes care of the animal world, and yet He places in our responsibility that in this world you are to take care and think thoughtfully about what you do. I, I remember years ago, somebody was telling me, I don't even know if it was a real story or not, but they, they, they were mad because they wanted to build a building or they wanted to build a home or wanted to build an apartment complex, and there was some sort of endangered toad species on that land, and you can't build there, and they were all mad and all angry and frustrated about that. And you know what back in the day I would be like yeah that's stupid man who cares about a bunch of toads people need a place to live I just want to say to you okay I'm not going to have that argument with you I'm not going to I'm just saying as believers you don't have the right to blow that off and say ah it's not important build those buildings no you have the right and you have the responsibility to say let's think thoughtfully about this is it better creation care for humanity or the world to build that or is there a way that we could build that and preserve the toad? Now, if you're here and you think that's silly, then you're not believing the Bible. Because God made you the reigner and the ruler over all creation. Here's what I'm afraid of. I had this thought this week, and it's kind of rolling around my... I think most of us here, you know, we're thinking about someday yonder we'll be in heaven, and you're preparing yourself for heaven, but you're going to live in eternity down here, and you're not one whit prepared to take care of God's creation. Other than clipping your roses. It brings God glory when we take care of His world. Why? Because God takes care of us, amen? And we're created in His image. And God has given us the responsibility to care for the world. All I'm asking you to do is just to think carefully and critically. Instead of blowing things off and just living in your political world or whatever strain you are and going on the way you've always been, why don't you just think twice and say, now how does this affect the world? Not just the bottom line, not just my budget, not just what's easy and convenient for me. How does this affect God's world and God's creation? And lastly... Everybody in the room's like, thank Jesus, he's at the end. <laughs> Why did God made us and make us and create us? I, I would say to you that God created us that he might receive glory for redeeming us. In verse number 29, there's a foreshadowing of the fall. You'll read later in Genesis 3 that God said they could eat of every tree in the garden but one, and in the pride and disobedience of our own heart, they chose to go away from God. 
all oh, the Bible teaches in the New Testament that God restores His creation in our salvation. Through Christ, we are restored in the image of God and we are conformed to the image of Christ. Let me say this to you. If you want to write this down, this might be a takeaway for you today. We have fallen from God's original intent for our lives. You know that and I know that. We sin, we fail, we come short of the glory of God, we mess the world up, and somehow, some way, we've got to get back to the way that God intended for us, that we were created in His image. And the only way that you can get back to the original intent of the Maker is by being conformed to the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. Now, let me tell you how you could leave here today. Maybe you'd leave here today and you would rejoice that God has shared Himself with you. Maybe that'd be a point of meditation this week. You just pray and be thankful for that. God has chosen to share some of Himself with you. You are not an animal. You are not isolated. You are not alone. For my dear friends that didn't hear the day and depression has crept over your life, you've made a mess of your life. What I want you to understand is that you have value in and who you are because you were created in the image of God and Jesus Christ loves you enough that He came into the world, died on the cross, rose again so that if you put your faith and confidence in Him, He would restore you to all that you should be and can be in Him. Rejoice that God has shared some of Himself with you. Number two, reproduce physically and spiritually God worshipers around the world. If you're here and you have physical children or you're going to have physical children, you ought to raise them to the glory of the living God that they might love Jesus and love their neighbor. If you're here today and maybe that's not been your lot in life, you've not been able to be there, my dear brother, my dear sister, my dear friend, I am with you from the depths of my heart. I feel you and know you. And what I say to you is that the gospel is greater than physical birth. Involve yourself in the spiritual birth of people all around the world world, share the good news of Jesus, that men and women and boys and girls might put their faith in Jesus Christ. And just like Jesus said to Lazarus, you must be born again. You can be a parent. And maybe you'd walk down a corridor of life that would not allow you natural birth in this life. You can step into the realms of glory and say, Lord Jesus, I did the very best I could to bring sons and daughters into your kingdom. And I did the best I could to be a father or a mother in the faith to those who were under me. I discipled them. I loved them. I cared for them. And lastly, receive Christ and be conformed to His image. Receive Christ and be conformed to His image. The only possible way that the world will ever be made right and you know the world's broken, don't you? You just watch the news. You watch your own life, your own families. The only way the world will ever be put to right is by people admitting that they're broken and laying their whole trust and life in Jesus Christ and following Him. And if you're in this room today and you say, you know what, I... My life is broken. I want to urge you to look to Jesus.
Put your faith in Him. Maybe you're in this room and you are a believer, but you've strayed from Him. Commit to Him. Follow Him. And inasmuch as you are conformed to the image of Jesus, you'll be restored to the image of God. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me for a moment? You've been listening to Stephen Tillis, pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh. For more information and free access to other messages, please visit us at ebcraleigh.com.